Every journey begins with a question. Our journey begins with this one. How can we lead to make the world better? Here we explore that question through journeys of great success and accomplishment, confronting challenges and overcoming obstacles with leaders from around the globe whose experience covers a vastly diverse range of background, sector, role and expertise. One common thread unites them all. They are all leaders striving to make the world better. They are all better world leaders. Hello and welcome back and welcome to 2021. And in this special edition, this Better World Conversation, we maintain our seasonal interval format of having multiple conversations with multiple leaders discussing the same question. And the question we're going to be exploring today is what awaits us as leaders who strive to make the world better in 2021 and how do we prepare for it? Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back. This is the Better World Leaders podcast and this is a variation of our seasonal format. This is what I'm referring to as a Better World conversation or rather a series of them. So what we're doing here as we've done in our previous special editions is pose a question and invite three leaders and leadership experts to give their response to it. Now, the three contributors that we've invited to create this conversation, you'd be familiar with if you listened either to the last conversation here or episode three, our very first season. The three guests that we have today are returning and kind of carrying over from the reflective episode at the very end of last year, Sue Glendening and Ronan McDonnell, and welcoming back Ben Bowen, who joined us in episode three. Sue is a marvelous individual, an all-round great being, and my coach. Ronan is a tech entrepreneur, a social innovator, force for good, and a neuroscience coach. Ben is an Aboriginal leader, a founder of a tech incubator and cultural advisory firm, Shared Path, all are based either in Sydney or Melbourne. And what we have for you here is a really active series of dialogues, looking forward and asking ourselves what awaits us in 2021 and how are we going to prepare for that. So here we are, the very first of these segments and conversations is with Sue Glendening. So, Sue, welcome back and welcome to the new year, uh, to 2021. Um, for any of you that missed the last uh, episode, the, the previous special edition, Sue joined us for a reflective dialogue on 2020, and I've invited her back now to look ahead and, and to answer this question along with the others who are following in the, in, in the segments ahead of us in this episode. And the question is, what do we think is coming when we think about 2021 and how do we prepare ourselves for it? Okay, thanks, Tim. Um, well, I think what do we think is coming, I think that builds expectations, so almost what are we expecting? And I think the, the old saying is expectations govern outcomes. So if that's true, um, certainly and certainly your thoughts do have an impact on your outcome, 
because they drive your actions and um, that gives you your results, of course. So then what is your mindset around this year, you know, around, around the new year? And I think the next question for me around that is what is your purpose? And I know, Tim, you and Mel have talked a lot about purpose in the curated conversations. So people talk about their why, which is important. However, it's what drives the why, I think, and it's your passion and your purpose that's behind that why. So it's not just knowing your why, but understanding and connecting with that. So just a quick example, if I may. So I might be doing something specific like creating a new company which will have a positive impact on the environment, okay? Why? Because I want to change the world for the better. Well, that's great, but for what purpose? So what does for the better even mean? You know, what's the purpose behind the why, the intention, the passion? I think it comes down to values. You know, what are the values that are driving this? And remember, your values are simply what's important to you. So um, that for me, I think it's a lot around the why and around your purpose. Yeah, and of course, I love that because I'm all about purpose and I think one of the key things for me in 2020 was you know, getting some real clarity around purpose and, yeah, the 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 sense of, you know, initiative towards betterment, um, you know, at a global level um, and, you know, boiling that right down to every conversation with every leader should be about how can they make the world better. You know, I'm, I'm trying to sort of both have that umbrella and then, you know, sort of drive it right down to that amount of specificity, you know, on a moment-by-moment moment level. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of conversation, there's been a lot of commentary, and there's been a lot of content created specifically examining purpose and purpose at an individual and organisational level. Um, and my great hope looking ahead into 2021 is that it will be a year of purpose. I would say the year of purpose, but my belief is that we need to have a lot of them, so it can't just be a singular one. But perhaps it will be you know, a 12-month-long moment when there is an upswell of purpose, um, you know, and a recognition that a lot of the lessons that we took out of 2020, you know, can you know, be distilled right down to, well, why are we doing this? You know, what are we here to achieve? Um, and that maybe there is a bit of a collective sense that we were just kind of drifting or freewheeling or even freeloading, uh, and that yeah, we can't do we can't do any of that. Um, at least not you know to anywhere near the extent that we have been. Um, so yeah, so if it's if it's if it's addressing you know the real drivers of our why, and 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 wrapping that all you know sort of in and around and and and, and blending it into our purpose, how how do we begin to prepare for that sort? Of well, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, freewheeling or possibly even freeloading. But I think if you're looking at preparing for a new year, first of all, you have to know what you're preparing for. So what do you actually want 2021 to look like? You know, I mean, do you have a picture or is it just simply a void? Is there a, is a blank space there when you think about that? If you have a void, then I think take some time out to create your picture. You know, what do you, what do you want it to look like? 
don't be a passenger, you know, um, talking about freewheeling and freeloading before, don't be a passenger and wait for someone else to create it and then complain about what, what you don't like, you know. Just create some action your, yourself, you know. Get something, create some movement around that. Um, and I think prepare, prepare is an active word. Um, in this context, it's a verb. It's something you have to do. So this is where your beliefs, your purpose, your goals all come into play, into play, but you actually have to know what you're preparing for. So I think your belief system around what you think is possible for you will create the boundaries around your, your picture or your, your goal, um, and it can create limitations if you're thinking in your thinking if you allow it to. So just choose to be a bit brave here and create a really compelling picture. Big picture is fine. And the preparing will will take care of all of the details. But just be prepared to be, you know, to be a bit brave and a bit bold um, and start the picture, start it happening, create the activity. And I think people have been a bit inactive in many ways during 2020. So my advice is get off your backside and get moving, make it happen. And if you don't know what it is, then take some time and really think about it. You know, away from your usual environment, probably better, um, because that will your your standard, your normal environment will provide the same triggers for emotion. So just get out and about, go somewhere different, take a break, look at what you want, look at why you want it, and what that will get for you, and then leave the how till last. Because I think we focus so much on the what and the how, we lose focus of the why. So the how will come, trust me, when you sort out the rest. Sorry, I'm just taking a few moments to, uh, to absorb all of that because um, there's, there's a lot in there to reflect on. Uh, but there's, there's, there's a few things I'll respond to immediately and then I'm actually going to circle all the way back, all the way back almost to your, your opening comment about words and thoughts and evoking action. But I, I'm going to start with these two of the B words that you've just brought uh, into there, and no, one of them is not backside. Um, <laughs> no, boldness and bravery. Uh, like those, are, those were two key words uh, to me from the year. Um, you know, I, I, I was re- reflecting on on those in an article that that, um, that I had published right at the end of the year, and I think I think we didn't see enough boldness in 2020. Uh, you know, understandably. There's a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot of uncertainty, but we saw a lot of very sort of stoic, defensive mindset and a, and a lot of inaction. Um, and we saw some brilliant examples of bold decision making, um, but not enough uh, globally. Um, and I think that boldness doesn't have to be brash. It doesn't have to be brazen. Um, you know, it can be cautious. It can be justified, you know, with the right data set or the best, you know, sort of data to inform the decision at the time. Um, but we definitely need, you know, some really incisive, bold action, and that following that action will come bravery to then take more bold action. I mean, my personal belief is that bravery follows action that rises out of fear. That this notion of just, you know, kind of be brave and go. My own personal experience doesn't work like that. You just have to sort of suppress the fear for long enough to make some action that is bold, 
relative to the fear that you're dwelling in, and then you get the bravery. Um, you know, it's the, it's the you know, the, sort of the courage after the after the action. Um, you know, that you hear recounted in you know in, in, in military uh, you know, sort of terms all the time about no one's no one's brave running into a firefight. The bravery comes afterwards, um, and I think I think those two things were very poignant and salient from from my experience of last year and what you said there. Um, but then the other key one was making the space, having the reflective time, and then essentially I think what I would be adding into that, I, what I'd be sprinkling into that that space is, you know, think a lot about the words and the language that you want to use to drive your actions, you know, and to come right back to your opening comments about thoughts driving actions. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and I think, you know, the intentionality of language is really important. Um, you know, we've seen some very, very interesting examples of how words and language create action for good and for bad, especially through, you know, the American election. And we, you know, we spoke a lot about that over the three conversations that we had here, um, you know, in November, but I think make the space, you know, kind of pick your, pick your, your language, uh, and then take some, some bold steps and the bravery will come. I think that would be my distillation of, of, of your, your comments. Absolutely. And I think it's also responsibility is another word I'd throw in there. And I think, you know, we can all take responsibility for how we prepare for 2021 and go into into this new year um, within our own environment, whether it's business or personal. And I would like to ask the question, where is your focus? Um, I mentioned this in the previous session and I often ask my clients, um, you know, are they moving towards what they want or are they moving away from what they don't want? And I think it's where we're, you know, moving into this new year and all that's possible and all that we can create, are we focused on that and are we focusing on the potential and the possibilities or are we just moving away from 2020 and all the challenges that that, that held for us? And I think that's a really important distinction to make. So look at what you learned from 2020. You know, use the growth, use the learnings. Look at where you need to to build some muscle and make some changes that you you know for for the things that you want to have and the changes that you you need to make. And I often resist using the word need, but I think sometimes if we reflect back on that, we we you know we see that there are things that we absolutely need to do. But it's also the changes that you can make. Um, and and be adaptive, you know. Adapt to the to things that take a little bit more time, you know. Be a little bit more patient around that, and give things the time that they need to give you that the result that you want. Yeah, and I think especially for me, and a lot of the conversations that I've had this year have been about, you know, what what do you have? You know, what what resources do you have at your disposal? Okay, your budget's been slashed, right? Well. You know, does that mean that you now have to be more reliant on time and, and using that more efficiently? Or, you know, is budget not a problem, but time is the problem? You know, you, you run ragged, you know, everybody's just you know, sort of completely maxed out. Okay, well, can you add some resources in and you know, sort of try and share the load a little bit? Um, but I think the, the term that I'm going to sort of take and, and add, it, uh, you know, sort of into, into uh, your responsibility is ownership. Um, you know, I think taking ownership for your own path, you know, like create the passage that you want to make this year. 
um, you know, nobody is responsible for where you're going to go this year except you. You have ownership of that. Um, you know, make a decision about the work you're doing. Make a decision about the purpose you're serving. Make a decision about the values that you're going to apply to both of those things to measure your progress um, and take ownership of holding yourself accountable for that. Yes, involve others, you know, involve colleagues, friends, coaches, etc. But ultimately, that's on you, and that's exactly where it should be. Um, because again, I think in 2020 there was a lot of abdication, abdication of ownership. Absolutely. You know, big issues yeah. going on. I can't do anything. I'm just going to sit here and allow the decisions to be made for me. Even in a lockdown, I mean, you. <laughs> You could in a minute about your experience in one of the most severe lockdowns that anywhere on the planet, you know, sort of went through with four months in Melbourne. Um, but even in that scenario where, you know, so many of the constraints have been applied, like you've still got ownership of how you show up and how you marshal your resources and the way in which you you, you, you show up in the world. Oh, absolutely. And I think you were talking about decisions. And I think, you know, as adults, um, what is our responsibility in making good decisions? And sometimes there, in fact, is no right decision. You know, there's no right answer. We just have to find our way and, and again, be brave around that. We just can't sit back and be passengers and blame others and circumstances when, when things don't go well. And listening to some of the um, earlier Better World Leader podcasts, I just reflected back on my childhood and developing years and the leaders who influenced my thinking, and I think it's the same for all of us. It's usually families and teachers and sports coaches and community leaders and things when we're kids. And as children and kids, we look to them for guidance and for advice and for direction. But when times become a little challenging, we feel that we have less control, you know, and I think even as adults, we start then to look again to our leaders for direction. So what responsibility are we taking in the direction that we choose? You know, are we going to continually just look to somebody else? So I guess my question is, what's our accountability in where to seek direction and who from? Um, what is the accountability of those in influential positions to deliver the best possible advice and direction? And do you have to take it? You know, do you have to listen to it? Can you not question it? Can you not think about how that applies to you and whether that's right for you, whether that works for you? And, and again, why? All comes and down to that question. Change. Change is a word that has come up through, I think, last year and, and um, with the new year. And I think... Um, if we're looking at what to prepare for, I think change is um, a big word. Change is the word. And I think that is change until it becomes normal. You know, we experience change all the time, but it's how the change is presented to us and, um, you know, why we are experiencing that, that, that makes all the difference. So, again, if we're going yeah. to ask the question, how do we prepare, it's how do you want it to look? You know, so when you're you're clear on that, you know what to prepare for. You know, are you going to be brave and or be a victim or and step out in certainty? Um, you know, and and just step out even if you're not sure that there is any certainty. 
but just step out and have a look and find it and explore. One certainty is that things won't be stagnant. They'll keep moving and evolving and changing. So ask yourself, where are you going to be in that movement? Yeah, and look, I think there's um, there's, there's one thing that I've absolutely yeah, sort of clung to, you know, like a like a lighthouse in a storm this whole year, and that's been purpose. That has been the provider of certainty for me, and I know for many others, certainly that I've had conversations with here, you know, and in the in 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 the marketplace and on the client side, and just generally, you know, around the campfire. Um, and I think the the other phrase that was going through my mind then, you know, just listening to you talk about change is. I can't recall where it comes from. It's an old adage. I'm, I'm sure it's a quote from somewhere, but this notion of all improvement is change, but not all change is improvement. Um, and great. I think, yeah, whoever came up with that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Wasn't me. Um, but I think, you know, when, when I, I, somebody reposted that phrase um recently i think it was in my linkedin feed and and when i read it what i was immediately reflecting on was okay well how do you increase the probability towards certainty that a change will be an improvement um and again for me okay well is the change i'm making driven by my why and is it is it me being beholden to my purpose and is it me reflecting the values that i've chosen to live to hold myself accountable to living my purpose. And if you're making a change and it sits very neatly beside those criteria, I would say it's going to be a change driving an improvement. Um, if it's if it's not, then it is less likely to be an improvement. Uh, you know, if you're being, you know, sort of squeezed into moving away from purpose or you're being compromised away from values, then take ownership of the decision not to do so because you should recognize that that change is less likely to be an improvement and i think that's that's that kind of that's where i think we can kind of start to throw all these things you know sort of together into the mixing pot and and come out with something which is about making the kind of change which is positive and you know universally beneficial and necessary because change driven by purpose values and a, and a sense of collective contribution, that's the kind of change which, in my view, almost guarantees an improvement. Absolutely. And and uh, has to be driven, I think, you know, by values as well. And um, it's not just change for change's sake. So if you don't like something, you think if I change it, it has to be better. Well, you know, not so. You've got you've got to think exactly what you said then. Um, I support it completely. So it's, it's you know, why that change? What's the purpose around that? And that, that will create the the change that um, I think that we, and again, using the need word, but that we all need and that we're all looking for finally. You know, people are starting to really look now. It's almost like a clean slate to say, wow, this was this was a bit of an adventure. Um, now where to from here? And what can we do with with all of the things that we've actually taken the time to learn while we've we've had time to pause and think about it? And just take a few extra things on board rather than being completely reactive all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, possibility, I think, is another great word for the new year. You know, possibility is not new. Change is not new. Evolution is not new. 
But I just believe we should take the opportunity with the lessons that we've learned to be better world leaders, you know, each in our own way and to make a positive difference each in our own way. It's very interesting that you say that because I'm just now looking at a whiteboard that I was working from at the end of last year, posing myself some questions to take into the into the Australian summer break. And the third question on that board is what is possible? <laughs> and I, I think I think if you're looking ahead at 2021 um, and if you're trying to figure out what to prepare for, I think that that would actually be a great question to start with. Absolutely. S- start by considering what is possible for you this year, you know, put some pins on the map, you know, put some ideas on the board, you know, think really long and hard about what you could actually drive towards and then prepare for that. Um, I think that would be, that would be my little provocation arising at the end. Well, that's a, that's a great question because I I left everybody with a question from the last, um, the last podcast and, and I was going to have something similar this time. It was just floating in my head. So you phrased <laughs> it beautifully, so I don't need to, to do that now, Tim. But I'd love everybody to think about that. What is possible? You know, what is possible for me? And put it up on a whiteboard and, um, you know, stick it on the mirror in the bathroom and, you know, put it where you can see it and actually think about it with an open mind, you know, take the boundaries down and think about it with a really open mind and just get excited about it. Yeah, I think excitement, fun, you know, a bit of a uh, bit of frivolity even. I think that those, those are those are terms which were missing from a lot of people's experiences uh of 2020 and let's let's see if uh if we are yeah, we can we can have a dose of those things as we think about what might be possible. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, I think that is exactly a, 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 a good juncture to, to leave this conversation for today. So once again, thank you, Sue. Uh, it's been an incredibly uh, dense journey in a short period of time, but uh, one which I personally am very grateful for. My, my pleasure, um, everybody. And, uh, yes, here's to a, an amazing 2021 it's your choice Absolutely. what you do with it. So uh, we'll see you all think there. about the possibilities. Because <laughs> <laughs> every impact counts, doesn't it, Tim? Oh, doesn't matter how small. Doesn't matter how small. Impact is an expansive term. Absolutely. Once again, by way of brief introduction, if you didn't listen to the reflective episode on 2020, I introduce you to Ronan McDonald. Ronan is an amazing example of how purpose is rejuvenative and regenerative. Uh, you know, Ronan shared some of his personal story in the previous episode, and I've had the real privilege of getting to know that story in intimate detail through the dialogues I've had with him on and off air in the end of 2020. Here, Ronan gives some real powerful insight into what lies ahead and how he personally is anchoring himself in purpose and well-being in order to take on whatever is coming down the road. So Ronan, welcome back. For those of you who haven't as yet made the time to listen to the previous episode where we were reflecting on 2020, Ronan was one of the guests 
who contributed his thoughts uh, in that dialogue. And Ronan has very kindly made time to return now and share with us a projection of what do we think lies ahead of us in 2021 and how do we prepare for it? So Ronan, thank you for coming and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks, Tim. Great to be back at the start of 2021. Yeah, it's a, it's it's an I'm glad we're still here. Let's say that, and uh, it's an exciting place to be. Um, so, mate, just straight off the bat, what are your thoughts on this? What do you think is uh, is coming this year, and how do we get ready for it? Well, the first thought that comes to mind, Tim, is that I I think people have this expectation that the first couple of days of this year are a magical reset, and we're going back to the first of January, 2020, and the world has gone back to normal as a way that we knew the world and the way that kind of made sense for us. So that's the first thing that I've seen people are needing or perhaps seeking. And my, my view is that we're not going back. No, 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 we're not. No, I, I agree with you entirely. I, I, I've, I have to say I've really struggled to sort of maintain the sincerity uh, when I've been to, participated in these conversations and, and it, yeah, it's almost like people are reaching for like what I visualize is like one of those big breaker switches and yeah, they just want to pull down and just like sweep away everything that occurred, you know, in 2020 and, and, and yes, yeah, like you're going to get out of the DeLorean, you know, and, and, and they just put, <laughs> they put, put a timestamp for wherever they'd rather be. And, and I just see that as a massive missed opportunity, right? You know, however sort of grievous your experience has been in the last 12 months, like personally, I see it as a massive growth and, and learning opportunity. Um, and what we have all experienced is an existential shift, um, you know, a collective change. And out of, and out of that, you know, there's a lot more change to come. Um, but I, I personally am really excited about that. Um so yeah, back no, forward yes, <laughs> and let's and let's look forward and and try and uh, try and be a little bit you know sort of predictive, maybe presumptive, but we'll see about uh, about what we think what we think might uh, might lie ahead because that switch is locked. That, that switch ain't going nowhere. I think yeah, people are fumbling for where's the magic reset button. That's what, like I think that's what people are looking for. Like uh, hit that reset button, and it's. Uh, but I, I do see some people who are seeing the opportunity. So I, I'm mm. seeing probably along the parallels of our conversation where we had previously reflecting back on 2020, where we talked about people navigating this time very differently. I see some people, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of people like bunkering down and say, I'll wait out the pandemic. I'll wait till, you know, the economy picks up again. And then I will reinvest in myself or my business. And I'm seeing other people who are moving forward and, and seeing the opportunity at this time. Yeah. 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 So what, what, I mean, let's maybe just try and do you know, a little bit of sort of trends analysis. What would you say are going to be the sort of the big ticket items that are likely to be features of this year lying ahead of us in 2021? Okay. So I'll start with maybe business. So I see partnerships. I yeah. think the opportunity to partner with people for mutual benefit for maximum impact is going to be a real opportunity. I think yeah. people are wanting to collaborate. The doors are open. I think you can have conversations with people that you probably couldn't have had maybe 18 months ago. Yeah, I agree entirely. Yeah. So some of the forums that I'm seeing 
that I'm part of, I'm part of a community called Bob Earth, Bob Earth, a business of brand, and they talk about more market share, changing hands at the, at the at the bottom of a recession and at the top of it of the market. So I think people who are investing in their businesses and themselves will, will see opportunity. I'm seeing a need for leadership. I, I think people are crying out for leadership at this time as well. And, and, and who? no one's got a crystal ball about what lies ahead, but I think people are looking for someone to, to lead the way. I think there's going to be a trend in, around self-leadership, I think, as well. You know, people like yourself, myself, probably have invested quite significantly in ourselves over the years um, and in terms of our own development. And I think a lot of people have been fortunate enough to have their organizations invest in them. So I think there's going to be a bit of a trend towards self-development and, and self-leadership. I think there's going to be a, a I guess, a, a trend around purpose. It's been there for a while. Um, I know you and I work in a space, Tim, but I think people really used the tail end of, of last year and the, the end of 2020 to look who they were themselves and thought, how do I get off this hamster wheel? Um, how do I actually live a bit more purposely? How do I make the most of this opportunity? How do I keep the commitments I made to myself at the start of the pandemic? I'm not going to go back to that oversubscribed, overscheduled, overstressed life. So I think people are looking for ways and need an implementation pathway around that. Yeah. I, I, also, okay. I also see, Tim, perhaps some people will have seen their companies for who they really are, the organizations they work for. If your company or your organization led with a human response, during the pandemic last year, I think you will say, I work for a good organization where values aligned. These are good people. And I think there's other people who have seen that the emperor has no clothes and maybe biding time a little bit and going, I'm very grateful for my job. I'm very grateful for my income, but I can't unsee what I saw in 2020 in terms of who my company are and that we're probably not values aligned. I see there's perhaps another uh, macro uh, trend, but I think there's going to be an overcorrection back to you know people who had a sense of control in organizations around having people in a hierarchy who you reported to, and all of a sudden they were working from home. I think there's going to be a, a, a number of people trying to pull back towards that level of control. So there's going to be uh, some interesting times ahead in, in 2021, Tim. Yeah, no, mate, that's a fantastic review. And if we've got time, we might try and touch on each of those in a little bit more detail. So if I if I recall correctly, partnerships, leadership, self-leadership. I missed one already, I'm sure. Um, over, yeah, and then... Overcorrection. Um, um, overcorrection yeah. and, and, yeah, that sort of, I don't know what we're... I think about maybe awareness of a lack of alignment to an organisation, uh, yeah. a realisation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's probably a sort of a meta-analysis of values, isn't it? I think, yeah. you know, at a, yeah. a sort of institutional, organisational and uh, and certainly sort of community level, um, yeah, team being your community. And, yeah, I, 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 I've... I've <clears throat> excuse me, seen and experienced, you know, that that partnerships model um, become very pronounced through this year. 
Um, you know, we've we've had ex- established partners really, you know, sort of reach in um, and, and bond that much more deeply throughout this year. And I can absolutely see an explosion of that. There was a piece of BCG research that um, that we were citing around the turn of last year, right? So, you know, this time last year, all the talk was around, yeah, you know, here we are in a new decade. What do we think is coming? And guess what? Nobody called pandemic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I say nobody, Bill Gates and a few other people, you know, got a, got a little bit to say about this kind of stuff. Okay, maybe they made some comments. But um, one of the things in this piece of BCG research, which was called How to Thrive in the 2020s, was a change in organizational design moving to what they called an entity model which is this sort of hyper-flexible, hyper-agile model where under a sort of a brand with just the minimum sort of strings of sort of social fabric and cultural frameworks and sort of processes, you would find lots of very sort of nimble experts and practitioners um, operating on a global level essentially under a brand for a combined purpose. And BCG called this the entity model versus the corporate model. Um, And I read this with great reassurance at the time because I kind of went, oh, I must be onto something because that's kind of like what what we do. Um, But I think that is now absolutely out of the bag. And uh, a lot of of organizations and institutions, I think even government agencies have realized that this is a really, really appropriate way of designing and delivering services, um, you know, in any kind of disruption, yeah, and and yeah, this was the decade of disruption, right? Most of the conversations around disruption were digital and AI. Uh, well, we've actually had a very physical and human disruption right up front in this in this decade. So, uh, yeah, partnerships, hundred percent. What what would you have anything further to add in terms of partnerships on on, on just while we stick on this point? Yeah, just just very briefly thing I would add there, Tim, would be that you know I think in the past there's been lots of negotiations and we get my legal team to talk to your legal team. We we spend a lot of time creating a memorandum of understanding. Now it's like we seem through a connection or even like reflect back on like our introduction. Hey, yeah, I spoke with someone who we know had a conversation with you, had a conversation with me. Went, yeah, I think there'd be a good fit there. You have a conversation, you go, can we talk? Can we? Could we do something together? Tell me about like who you are, what you stand for, your values, all this kind of thing. Yeah. Should we go to the next level, have another date? And it's like, that's, I think, loosely couple partnerships, I think, is uh, and a good friend, Darcy Lund. I know I've said this before, but partnerships for mutual benefit for maximum impact. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, if, if those two terms are honored, you know, mutual and impact, um, I think I think you you're into a good thing and just keep trucking, right? Um, no, very very good, excellent. So let's talk about leadership topic that I you know tend to spend a little bit of time on. So we we're only going to have a few minutes, but from your perspective, I suppose what kind of leadership do you think now is uh, is required, necessary, appropriate? So I think it probably combination of a little bit of inspirational leadership i think all in people or leaders who can help create a clear sense of purpose in an organization this is why we exist okay what's our reason yeah. for being and who can get people on board and articulate that purpose and have everyone know in the organization how their role contributes to that purpose 
you know, if people can do that, they will pull the market towards them. They'll attract partners, they'll attract clients, and they'll attract the right type of people who want to work for them. So, you know, I think, you know, I'm 46 now and getting a little bit older, Tim, okay? And I think there's people of my era and a little bit beyond that who are still trying to lead in the old hierarchical traditional way and they may be saying they're leading in a different way but their behaviors don't show up that way and it's kind of sad but like the people coming out of universities are more purpose-led they're much more aware than what i was at their age they know what they stand for they're i know i'm throwing around this word purpose-led but they they are actually interviewing organizations they're going Tell me about your triple bottom line. How are you making a difference? Yes, I know you need to exist and make profit, but how are you looking after your people and how are you um, leading with purpose? How are you creating an impact? So I think I think people are going to want to work for more um, social enterprises, I think. So, so I think that those types of leaders who can articulate and, and get people, articulate a, a sense of purpose, a strong vision, and bring people, connect people to purpose um, and, and really create that environment for their people to be successful and uh, are going to be the ones that are going to be in demand. My, yeah, my yeah, yeah. No, I, mean, I, I agree entirely. I mean, I, I led a, a webinar back in December. Uh, we're a pair of webinars. Um, we call them uh, virtual um, forums about purpose and purposeful leadership and Everybody that showed up there had a story to tell about the contrast between working for a purpose-led organization or not. Um, and at this point in time, it was probably about, I would say, 60-40, the lived experience of working for an organization which didn't have a clearly defined purpose uh, and, and, and an appropriate set of behaviors. Um, but everybody was in a complete unison in saying exactly as you've just done, this is where not just the trend, but this is where the way of work is going. Um, and it's being pushed and pulled, you know, we're being pushed by this groundswell of mindset shift, um, which absolutely you know, can be seen, you know, sort of in those generations coming up behind us, I'm 40, um, <laughs> But also, I, I see this mindset set shift, you know, sort of transgenerationally. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, are coming around to, yeah, you talked in an earlier conversation about getting off the hamster wheel. And as they're hopping off that wheel, you know, where their landing is in a place of making a higher contribution. Um, and then they are orientating themselves towards a more purposeful organization. There was a term that, that, that featured in, some of these forums that we ran earlier in the year about resonant leadership, which is this sort of space almost between inspirational and purpose led mm. where, you know, by, you know, sort of invoking a really strong sense of purpose and relaying messages around that purpose that are deeply inspirational, you kind of create this sort of sense where you're resonating incredibly deeply with the people that you connect with um, and that, that, that this is a, a sort of an extremely powerful mode as a leader to operate in from a purpose of, uh, from a point of view of connection. Uh, but it's a very complicated space and a, you have to be an extremely capable and highly skilled leader to 
operate in this mode uh, for extended periods of time uh, because you know, there's lots of push and pull and you know, you've got to really you know, sort of basically be completely you know, sort of authentic and sincere and able to articulate all of that authenticity and sincerity appropriately and, and really sort of hold that space around behaviors that completely live and fulfill your values and pursue your purpose. And, you know, life gets in the way sometimes and commerce gets in the way sometimes. And, um, you know, the leaders that I've seen execute this style are extremely design orientated and they, they literally build organizations that, that completely are like a resonant chamber for all of this stuff. Uh, and then it just takes away a lot of those, potential pitfalls or sort of distracting measures that might you know, detract from the resonance, uh, you know, in the medium term, because everybody's on mission and you know, everybody shares the values and by design, the commercial outcomes more deeply embed, you know, all of the purposefulness uh, as it were. Um, and yeah, Kirsten Hunter, you know, who, who, who was on the podcast last year, her organization, uh, Future Super uh, is one of the, best examples that I've seen in the financial services sector of all places, um, you know, of an organization that top to bottom, left to right, all the way through has been designed for purpose um, and is delivering some really strong commercial outcomes as a result of that. Uh, so yes, that's the kind of leadership. What about self-leadership? And I know you're, you're very, very, you know, sort of deep into this space and that, you know, this is obviously very much where you are commercially as well. So let's yeah. talk about self-leadership. Yeah. So I think maybe, you know, there could be a little bit of, a bit of like navel gazing in it, a bit of, a bit of, <laughs> it could be overdone to death. And I think we're not talking about like the, like trying to create motivation, but it's around, I think there's a bit of element of personal responsibility in this as well. I think many people work for organizations, they go, so what is my company or organization doing for me? But I think ultimately you've got a responsibility to your organization as well around how are you, like how are you aligning to what the, the purpose or the mission of your organization is, is trying to achieve um, and, and what's the vision? So I think there's going to be an increasing trend of people going, okay, well, I need to take a bit of responsibility for my own development and um, learning some skills. Yes, organizations do uh, do invest in people, but I think probably a lot of budgets are going to be tighter for a while. People, I think people are going to be looking for value. So if you are an individual who's taken some in, impetus and created some initiative around yourself, around how you're developing yourself, I would see that's going to be recognized and have the mindset around uh, building your own capability or embracing a growth mindset or learning and being curious around okay okay i don't just work in the it department here it exists to support a higher purpose in your organization um, and, and what are we here to do ultimately to create and you know it's a great obviously it's great profit and and shareholder value and but also to make a difference and and, and take responsibility for the my behaviors and my interactions with my colleagues as well so i think there's going to be a, a bit of a shift towards self-leadership as well yeah you've just used one of my favorite c words there um i like for me the whole of last year in terms of a means to navigate it could be summed up in curiosity Right or being curious, uh, 
go like it, it in a world where there's nothing but ambiguity all you can do is ask better questions right and and I, and, I, and i don't i don't see the ambiguity going away right like i, I think that's going to be a constant um and again that big reset switch i just want some certainty i just want some clarity of data it's like well good luck right like the variables in the equation are going to be constantly changing um yeah, you know, and I think again, there's been a great reluctance, um, certainly publicly, but I, I've had a lot of private conversations with people who are kind of looking, looking around a little bit and kind of going, "Yeah, but really, you know, like it's been a pandemic, but it hasn't been that bad. Like, look at what's coming, right? Look at the big disruptors that are coming. You know, look at what AI could do to the global employment landscape in ten to fifteen years." You know, look at what climate change could do to supply chain disruption. You know, people are getting their knickers in a twist because their Christmas presents are not going to arrive on time. Well, what if food productivity is reduced by 35% in 10, 15 years? Um, you know, we've had banana shortages in Australia. Uh, you know, the, the, 2006, the, I remember it well. Yeah, right like it was like 40 bucks for a bunch of bananas right um and and but the, you know these these are the forces of turbulence you know that are that are starting to be felt right i mean we're we're sitting here now um you know at the back of a of a, another weather of extreme another summer of extreme weather events in australia right you know we we, we started the last one you know with really intense drought and fires now it's been, you know, the opposite, and we've had, you know, beaches washed away and a lot of infrastructure disrupted by intense storms and floods. So, you know, like these are the things that I think, you know, COVID and twenty twenty have given us an opportunity to embrace as learning experiences, and we don't know what's coming. So all we can do to prepare for it is, you know, start to do these really intense scenario planning exercises, where all you really do is ask yourself the toughest questions you can come up with. You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? What are we going to do? You know, make your decision planning frameworks when you're not dealing with the stress and the anxiety. Um, and I think uh, I think that kind of investment has to be done at an individual level because the most powerful questions you can ever hear are the ones you ask yourself. And I know you look, it's almost like that. The what if questions looking back, but like. What, if, what about the what if questions looking forward? What if we could do this? What if I could do this? And it probably ties in with a point around leadership, but also I think there's going to be emerging communities happening. And I think people are going to stop waiting for someone else. You know, I know people are looking for leadership, but I think there's going to be new communities forming and a combination of those innovators, the influencers and the early adopters are going to create some grassroots change in the world. And I, I'm personally excited about what lies ahead yeah no absolutely absolutely should we just spend a few moments just kind of rolling up those last two points yeah uh about like the, the values realignment because yeah with all this exciting groundswell of new opportunity i think it's going to be so much harder to justify just putting up with the you know the good old right like especially if it's become very clear that that maybe is not what you thought it was from a values perspective hmm yeah, where do you want to where, where do you want to go with that? Where's, where's your curiosity? <laughs> where's my curiosity taking me? Well, okay. Well, let me let me ask you to maybe give a bit of advice or a suggestion to someone which might come as, in the frame of a question. So, you know, if if there's someone listening to this who maybe has had an experience like the one that you described earlier, 
where they've been very grateful for the job and, you know, they are glad for the income they've received over the last 12 months or however long it's been. But also what they've now realized is exactly to your phrase, they can't unsee what they saw and the behaviors organizationally were the furthest thing from values alignment. What advice would you give them as to how they can then proceed moving forward? So probably I would say be curious. Okay. Just be kind to yourself about, you know, the process about learning about yourself, adopt a learner's mindset and be prepared to do the work. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, behavior change doesn't happen overnight. And just because I will a new behavior or a will a skill set, you know, I often use this axiom in our, in our work. You know, you'd never say to your personal trainer, I want to run a marathon on Monday, but I've done no training. Or you're a you're, you're financial advisor, I want to have a million dollars in the bank on Wednesday, but I've got no savings today. So be prepared to play the long game. I would say spend the time to unpack and understand who you are, understand what your values are, understand, um, you know, what is your personal purpose? Like, what's the difference you want to create in the world? You know, what do you want to be known for? Um, what does success in life look like to you? you know, and it's very personal. Um, and, you know, we're not all saying everybody has got to go out and do this personal development journey and leave their jobs immediately. You know, maybe, maybe you can reconnect with the purpose in an organization, or maybe there's some things you can influence in your organization as well. So I think around this probably leadership, self-leadership point as well around, not waiting for things to happen, but to say, well, articulate how you're feeling and maybe try and shape the future organization, shape your, your organization to try and be more purposeful as well. But I would say, put on your own oxygen mask first. So look after yourself. Okay. Very key until, until you, um, <laughs> to look at, look at it yourself, you can probably create an impact in the world. Surround yourself with the right people as well. You know, you need, it takes a village <laughs> and, and people, you know, who will support you. He will encourage you. He will maybe give you some honest feedback as well. And then get the sense of balance right by incorporating some form of giving into what you're doing. You know, we, we, we know that if, if we're doing everything for ourselves, life goes out of balance. But if you do for others, you'll actually literally feel better in, for your, in your brain as well. So yeah. in summary, be prepared to play the long game, be curious and experiment, just test, learn, iterate, all that good, agile stuff, lean startup stuff, all that good stuff that we're learning. And I'm going to add just one more to that, which is something that we touched on um, earlier, um, which was have fun. Have fun, yes. Right, right. You met, you, you've brought out one of my favorite C words, but we were also reflecting earlier that yeah, and I, and, I, and I shared with you, you know, I've, I've kind of been kicking around the idea of, uh, of, of putting this article out about, you know, the absence of, of a very necessary F word. And I'll put my hand up and say, I was devoid of fun last year. You know, I was Mr. Serious. You know, I was dealing with serious stuff, whether it was our house is going to burn down or now the house is flooded or now I've got, you know, to figure out how to navigate a business through COVID as, as well as help my clients do the same. But 
you know, just this recent re- rediscovery of the benefits of you know, dancing around in the kitchen to bad music with my two and a half year old. Right? <laughs> like, nice. That's brilliant. Oh dear, I won't, I won't share exactly what we were listening to, um, but it, it it was from a Disney movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, let it go. Okay, um, been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that 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 is something I am going to purposefully bring back in twenty twenty one. Um, yeah, you know, and I, and I think, you know, this has been one of the the sort of the more controversial, um, you know, sort of parts of people's response to the pandemic, right? That as soon as there's been the opportunity, or even before there was permitted opportunity, you know, people were determined to have fun. You know, like young people were back to the boozers, or you know, having the illegal raves or the house parties or whatever it was. You know, people, you know boomers were sneaking over their garden fences to you know sort of go and have fun and barbecue with their friends and whatever it was um and maybe maybe there's something in that you know and as much as that rebelliousness you know maybe maybe it was out of um you know sort of frustration or maybe it was out of dissent but perhaps it was also reflecting something deeper and more innate that actually fun is a really important restorative mechanism uh, and a way of managing the stress cycles um, and that certainly is something that I'm going to be adding on top of the pile of very, very good advice from you there, Ronan. So, um, yeah, that's my little contribution and sharing. I love that. I love that. I mean, but and the thing is, how do we remember to remember, Tim? You know, like, I think that's a challenge for all of us. And I'm not saying, like, man, no one's life is perfect. I'm not sitting here from a place going, I figured out all this stuff. But <laughs> we're all on a kind of bit of a, a, a learning journey. No, mate, 100%. And, and look, I mean, that, that is the journey, right? That's the journey of life, the journey of leadership. All we can do is yeah. keep on keeping on. So if I, could, if, um, asking, if I bring it back to real basics, as we say in credit our company, what if you could do three simple actions every day? So one action every day to learn, so you're moving forward, one action every day to look after mental health and well-being, and one action every day to give or in the service of others, the community or the planet. And if you live that way, you certainly live more purposefully. No, mate, I think love, learn and give, that's got to be, that's got to be the ticket for everybody, right? So uh, (laughs) let's leave it there. I think that's a perfect resting point for this conversation, this segment of this episode. Um, So thank you very much, my friend. It's it's been an absolute joy, been a heap of fun um, and uh, yeah, and a very purposeful um, foundation for certainly our you know, sort of year together and hopefully everyone that's listening to this as well. Thanks, Tim. It's been an absolute pleasure. So in the final of these three segments, I welcome back my great friend and someone who has taught me an enormous amount about life, culture and leadership, Ben Bowen. Ben is an ex-professional Ironman, the founder of Shared Path, an Aboriginal consultancy, tech incubator, advisory firm, all kinds of wonderful things comes out of Shared Path, where he and his co-founder, Sean, deliver really incredible change programs and uh, systems for information and adaption based on, let's just call it 65,000 years of Aboriginal cultural legacy in Australia. This is a really dense and uh, an interesting and fascinating discussion with Ben. So no further, a final do, Ben Bowen. Well, Ben Bowen, welcome back to Better World Leaders and welcome to the Shoalhaven studio. 
Uh, it's been uh, Ben's been Ben and his family, I should say, have been down staying with us over the turn of the year. So as we now sit here on the second day of 2021, it's it's great to have you here, and it's great to be having this this yarn with you. Uh, so welcome back, my friend. Thank you. It's been good to be here. Um, so as we've had two conversations already, we're going to have the same questions posed to Ben. Uh, for any of you who aren't familiar with Ben's work already or the conversation that he and I had back in season one, go and check that out right after this, I'd suggest. Uh, I'll let Ben introduce himself, of course, in just a moment. But you know, Ben's a dear friend, uh, you know, a respected um, colleague in many ways and, uh, and, and, a, and a real advocate for a lot of the same stuff that, that we work with as well. Uh, so, Ben, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself and then we'll address these two questions about what's coming? Okay, so I'm an Aboriginal man, a Rudry man by birth, um, born and raised on Gadigal and Wongal lands in Sydney. I run, um, CEO, I'm the CEO, I should say, of um, Shared Path Corporation, which is uh, an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incubator, which uses a lot of technology to build those businesses and keep people in country. That's about as concise an introduction as <laughs> I think I've ever heard you make, so well done. Uh, okay, perfect. So the two questions that we're going to discuss here, as we have in these past two conversations, are... What do we think awaits us in 2021 and how, as leaders who want to make the world better, do we prepare ourselves for it? So, mate, what do you think? What's coming? I think a lot of pain's coming, actually. So it's hard. Look, it's, you know, the second day of the new year, it's a really a time that everyone's positive and everyone's got their resolutions and everyone's really wanting to make change. But I honestly think we haven't dealt with a lot of or process a lot of the information from last year and what's mm. happened around yeah. the world. Um, and I think we're a little bit blind at the moment. We're trying to push through and, and get to the positive without actually fixing up why we got into 2020. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that, that that's a, a harsh, you know, spoonful of medicine, but one that absolutely needs to be swallowed. I, I think as you know, we had, in a couple of the other conversations late last year and, and then just earlier in this show, you know, the only thing that changes day by day is you flipping a page in the calendar doesn't mean anything has changed other than perhaps your resolution, as you say, or, or, or your, the affirmation that you're telling yourself um, or the intention perhaps that you're bringing to a new year. Um, but no, I couldn't agree more, man. I think there's a lot of work, a lot of toil, that needs to be done, but also let's take the blinkers off and let's actually kind of look a little bit to side to side and, and kind of look at the system that's, uh, well, dysfunctional, broken. <laughs> look, uh, yeah, it is. And I, th I think, and look, rightly so, it's not a criticism to anyone, but everyone's been rushing so fast at this finish line, which was, it, it is just a, a number on a date, which is made up anyway. And we uh, we really do run the risk that we haven't processed the full expenditure that's going to come or the cost that's going to come out of that global pandemic. But what is the cost to all of our health systems, health workers, the mental health of those guys? Has it shown up that we need better support around them, better work hours, better work conditions, pay? No one's even talking about these things yet. We're all, mm. oh, we're, we're in 2021, the pandemic's over, let's get on with business and make some money. And it's it's a little bit of a frustration for us because we, we really look at it going, we run a massive risk at the moment 
to just fall straight back into the groove of what wasn't working for people and then do that. So for us, um, and I know you are too, Tim, we are working from home, working remotely. It's given me personally more time with the family and having that interaction on a day-to-day basis. And it's an amazing opportunity. So to rush back into that office setting of, you know, I'm working, you know, 7 till 6 p.m. and and after hours as well, but to rush back into that lifestyle where we just, you know, park the family because we've got work, I'm not really keen to go there yet. I'm still processing that part of my life and trying to figure out how do I maintain that moving forward. Yeah, I think, I think especially in Australia, if we hadn't had these now sort of increasing you know sort of covid clusters through the christmas holiday and and we had been trucking into an extended covid free period i think we would very much have been looking at the sort of the full-on whitewashing of back to normal 2021 kind of scratch 2020 out let's just go 2019 to 2021 everybody kind of back in your seats and away we go and, and maybe we're already experiencing a bit of this sort of perhaps necessary pain in that, well, no, this thing isn't done and it's not just going to roll over and go away. And we're very fortunate sitting here in Australia that we're not, you know, sort of dealing with what mm. the UK and America in particular and, and obviously places, you know, sort of elsewhere as well have really had a resurgence of COVID through their Northern Hemisphere winters. But it's something I've been riling against all year is this back to normal, you know, yeah. let's, do, let's hibernate and let's wait and then back to normal. Well, what was normal anyway? What was so great about it and why should we be rushing to go back there? And look, I, th- I think the opportunity lies in the reflection phase now. And look, I don't think that needs, it's like morning. I don't think you need to have a strict timeline that we work towards. And We've seen it in a lot of um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities that have been based around tourism for a long time as that is their only source of income. Mm. They didn't really have a choice in it, so they had to make the best of the situation. With COVID um, shutting it down, they have had the opportunity now to really think about what their community wants to work towards and put some brains brain power to that at yeah. the moment. And it's been interesting and we're seeing um Uluru is one of the great examples is just when the Sydney outbreak happened they kept shutting the national park and not allowing tourists in mm. so their main business they've just gone no that's not the most important part for us so I think this is what we're seeing around and we I, I know we've had this conversation over and over again and we had it on our lovely jog the other day that our businesses are different we don't need to be westernized and one of the key concepts, and it reminded me in reading that um, passage you gave me this morning, is we talk about community don't necessarily have to be working within a business to add value to our community. And the social capital that they add is just as important, if not most important. So at the moment, we're looking at this opportunity to sit there and say, how do we, how do we maximise the impact that our elders and young people are having on the progression of communities or the future proofing of communities. And it's a massive hole for us at the moment. I, I think I mentioned it to you the other day when we we're walking that, you know, there's journal after journal of um, studies into Aboriginal people in the past and what we think of them and, you know, which contradicts our lived experience, but there is no research 
into where Aboriginal people are going to be in the next five to ten years, let alone fifty years. Yeah, and I was just stunned when you when you revealed that, and and I, yeah, and again, as a, the sort of the completely naive observer, you know, of of Indigenous affairs nationally here and, and globally, I, I was just astounded that 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 seems so not just obvious, but such a missed opportunity. I, you know, how how could we not? <laughs> sort of factor not only your contribution but your leadership into into what lies ahead right i mean you know 50,000 at least years worth of you know lineage and heritage and cultural knowledge well i think that would be beneficial in our go forward planning would it not but yeah it's absent look i think it look obviously i'm biased <laughs> like i'll put my hand up and say that but i think what we're looking at is Aboriginal communities have been largely untouched by COVID. There's some pretty significant reasons behind that. Um, And it's not all due to isolation because the biggest Aboriginal population in Australia is in Western Sydney. So there's something that's there that we have not even scratched the surface on. And we know as community members, there's a range that we looked after people, the way that we set up our family structures and supported each other through this the way that we shared incomes and shared household uh, resources is the way that we got through this pretty unscathed. Yeah, right. It's not all the face-to-face, but it's the way that we created that network to check in on each other to make sure elders weren't travelling around doing things. If they were in hospitals, we were able to check in on them and support families so that we took stresses away. That And that's what we're sort of talking about, that, that building of community and collaboration actually helps us survive tough times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that resilience model. So we put that back into the business world. That's what we're sort of looking at now saying the models that we have, the models that our community naturally push through is is the opportunity for us now. Yeah, I love that. I think that uh, collective resilience is uh, is so necessary and and very much the way that, yeah, that, that we've been you know, looking at building a, you know, sort of a a different view on resilience. Like resilience is about kindness. It's not yeah. about, you know, sort of roughness and toughness. You know, it's about being kind to yourself, allowing yourself to rest and restore and rejuvenate. It's about being kind to your family so that, you know, they, they, you have that cohesion and that nurtured togetherness. It's about being kind to, you know, let's take it to the commercial sense, suppliers, customers, you know, your team, your your, your your uh, employees more broadly um, and if you look at you know an extended family network that's the social bonding glue yeah. right it's that kindness but I don't know you don't see a lot of kindness in business <laughs> a lot of the time look I think <clears throat> I, look I, I, I do think you've seen a change in some of that where businesses have broken some of their hard barriers down a little bit to to support or do that. But look, in all honesty, I was looking at the data, I think it was two days ago where we're looking at in America, billionaires have gone through the roof and in Australia, you know, the richest proportion have made double their money over the time of the global pandemic while everyone else is either stagnant or gone backwards. And I I think this is what we mean by that reflection time. This is what we need to reflect on. This system is not about the greater good this system is about creating wealth in pockets and pushing an agenda forward and i and this is not a socialist venture or anything but it's it's understanding now we can't be unkind we can't 
pillage, we can't just consume endlessly. We really need to think about that and how we maximise those impacts. And I, I really do think that 2021 gives us an amazing opportunity and, and we do laugh at it. And I, I think, I was thinking it the other day when we are running that I was reading a quote that Mad Max movie is set in the year 2021. What the original Mad Max? Yeah. Really? So, <laughs> like all these things have come together, and we're sort of sitting there going, and you know, all these lessons we've had in all these movies about endless consumption, where we're going, and and we just keep blindly following this. And you know, we and the reason I bring that up is we're looking at um, in the Kimberley at the moment in WA, we're looking at a lot of the Fitzroy River pastoralists are getting bought up by two main people, which will go unnamed that are buying all the land along the Fitzroy River, which looks like at the end of the day, once they own all those partial lands, they'll be able to move that water out of the ecosystem. So we're looking at that now, which traditional owners have, have, have fought against this stuff for a long time, but we're still not learning the lesson because wealth always trumps wisdom. So, or we assume wealth is wisdom. So I, I really trying to bring people constantly back to what have you experienced in 2020? Don't focus on just the negative, but those amazing opportunities. Like I said, the ability this year that I've had to spend more time with my family than I think I ever have mm. is, is an amazing. I haven't been sitting on planes to God knows where or s- connecting with them through Zoom or a Skype call at an airport. You know, we've had huge opportunities. We've probably had an amazing year. Yeah. But yeah. we've had a year that has shown the weakness of the entire system around us. Yeah, yeah, no, mate. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. I mean, certainly the whole, you know, don't for, don't mistake wealth for wisdom, or don't confuse the two, or you know, don't think that you know the two are naturally inclusive. I think that's that's a very very important reflection, and also think about what wealth is to you. You know, it's like you hear the the question of define your own success a lot, but define your own wealth. I mean, is wealth health? You know, is is wealth time with family? Is wealth, you know, doing your deepest, most meaningful work? Or is it, I've got a fleet of Ferraris on the front drive. I mean, I, I know what the answer is for me, but I think the, the other thing is, you know, you get, you get a, a, a real, I think, sort of feedback sometimes that people are like, oh, but, you know, the the wealthier up there, you know, sort of on the summit and, you know, they're just going to do what they do and they'll just keep hoovering everything up from the bottom. But for the most part, the vast majority of wealth comes from consumption, certainly newly created wealth, right? Like wealth that comes from land ownership, you know, or very, very long, you know, sort of standing investments and so on. But like this wealthiest man in Asia, this guy who's risen, you know, sort of out of the ashes of COVID with two businesses, a vaccine business and a bottled water business. Well, both of those are basically sort of enemas <laughs> that are going, they've been plugged into a broken system, mm. right? Um, so if everybody can, you know, sort of hear these words, receive this wisdom from Ben and others and think about, you know, what is wealth to you and then how do you change patterns in your own life that that yeah that compounded on a big enough scale that's going to reinvent this system and and make it what what it needs to be i think and look absolutely and i think 
the challenge we're going to go through as well is like both of us have young kids and I was amazed. I was running my youngest who's just turned three around <laughs> a built up inner city water body. And as we're running around, she was talking to me about the COVID virus and how that sort of is everywhere. And, and she had this concept that we were running around the waterfront because the virus was chasing us and we couldn't stop. And, you know, and it made me sort of start to think about that lived experience. And so one of the questions I had for myself in, in, in sort of the quiet time I had later that day was there is no wisdom or support I could give my own children about the year we just went through. Cause I've never been through it. So I was learning at the same time. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And, but that once again became the opportunity sitting there going, I've just shared one of the most iconic or at the moment, one of the most iconic years. So how do we then build something ourselves and, and grow as a family on that sort of opportunity? And that's where we're sort of reflecting for. And as I said, we're bringing that back through all of our communities about how do we not just jump back at the trinkets that our communities are offered or our businesses are offered and how do we actually go for that deeper business? Yeah. And look, I, I personally think that's going to stick. I think is a lot of people are reflecting on the uniqueness for them of this situation. And yeah, look, three months in lockdown, four months in lockdown, you know, some people it's longer, some people it's less than that, but it does give cause for what's most important. And certainly the number of conversations I've had, as you and I have had even last night over dinner about, you know what, not particularly excited about the prospect <laughs> of jumping on three flights a day, you know, 40 weeks a year and, you know, sort of spending X amount of time just kind of chasing. Yeah. You know, like what, what is it that we're chasing? Why, why is that prioritization there? If it's to get out into the world to do our best and most important work and make things better, then yeah, sure. For a portion of time, but for anything less than that, where, where, where does the compromise line now get redrawn? And I think that that is a thought process is going through a lot of people's minds. And that's why I think we've seen this rise to purpose and and the whole movement towards meaningful endeavor and this kind of thing really coming, well, seemingly unanimously. I'm sure that unanimous is uh, is an overstatement, but there's been a lot of that rising. Does it now get dampened down, compressed or suppressed by, yeah, the turn to trinkets, as, as you say? Yeah, and I think it's uh, – I was talking with my business partner, Sean, about this a couple of months ago and, and two years ago when we were doing the UN Permanent Forum for Indigenous People. It was an amazing time that we are sitting there reflecting on a process that we'd flew halfway across the world to talk about climate change and how we could reduce our impact on the world. But we'd flown Indigenous people from all around the world to one city – which is a massive city that has a huge carbon footprint. And the reflection on all that, all of us were sitting there going, we shouldn't be doing this. You should be on country, we should, in, in your own country. Absolutely. And we should be connecting and finding ways to do this without, you know, exacerbating the problem. And, and, you know, this year has given us that, that the permanent forums were gone. We, we weren't catching up at, you know, Geneva or wherever it was. And we all stay connected. Yeah. And we all kept pushing each other and supporting each other. And we're sitting there now going, you know, the conversation's now moved away from what is the environmental footprint of flights and carbon and that too. What's the environmental footprint of technology? 
yeah that computer that it's, i'm sitting on and the internet and all that and you, you know email what's the carbon footprint of those how do we lessen our impact on the earth or how do we support and trade off that sort of stuff so i think once again this is the opportunity that we're sort of been waiting for that we're now not drowning and grabbing at anything we can we've, we've had a moment where we've been in a rough sea we've tread the water for a long time and now we're not panicked mm. and that's the trick of 2021 i think is we're seeing that little bit of panic to get back to some sense of normality that is going to make us start scrambling for things and race each other to get to shore first but at the moment i don't think shore's where you really need to be i think it's still evaluating your pathway still evaluating where you want to spend your time. I think that's actually a perfect juncture to sign this one off. I think, you know, spend, be prepared to spend some more time in that rough water and yeah, maybe appreciate that it's not going to kill you. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) So no doubt this won't be our last conversation with Ben. There you go. I'm being uh, presumptuous there, but uh, I'm going to stand by that affirmation. Um, But mate, it's a pleasure as always, and thank you very much for your time and contribution here and all your words of advice and wisdom to me over the years. So uh, is there any final parting words you'd like to share with anyone who might be tuning into this before we say fairly well and onwards? Just be kind to yourself. Give yourself that time. Good on you. Thanks, man. So there we have it, three conversations with three sage leaders to welcome you to Better World Leaders 2021. I hope in there you will have found some preparatory advice, some anticipatory wisdom of what lies ahead for all of us in this most fascinating of years. I think the one thing which for me is dead cert is that there is no flip of a page here. If anything, 2021 may actually be a tougher year for many people than 2020 was. And there's a lot to be learned from reflecting and then from planning and then from preparing to execute that plan because there is absolutely no going back here. There was no normal, certainly that I felt was really beneficial in many of the ways that we talk about here. It's all about progression and therefore the only way is forward. It is not back. It's not back to anything. It is ahead and onward into the better world that awaits us. So I'll leave you there and say I look forward to joining you again and to embracing everything that is coming and looking forward to all that awaits us. So I'll see you in 2021 and I'll be back in a few weeks with another special edition before we launch into our full third season in March. I'll see you then. In the meantime, if you've been enjoying this and you can think of just one person to share it with that you think would benefit from any of the insights and and, and wisdom that's been accumulated in any of these special editions or the two seasons previously, please do make the time just to share and recommend this episode to one person. If one person benefits from this, then you've done enough for today. As always, great thanks and appreciation to the team who contributed to bringing Better World Leaders to you. To Brendan Ward for production of all audio recordings and composition and performance of original music throughout each episode. 
to Cooper and the team at Radio Hub Studios for technical support and creative guidance during the episodes that are recorded face-to-face. To Knock Knock Studios for website design, hosting and advice. And to Sarasa Design for logo and site graphics. You'll find audio and video recordings of this episode, as well as links to any specific recommendations or related resources that were mentioned today in the podcast area of 4iLeadership.com backslash insights. This is the Better World Leaders podcast, brought to you by 4i Leadership. to world.